Welcome to the Sermon Audio Podcast of Hill Country Bible Church, Georgetown. The podcast bringing you biblical messages that encourage you to put Christ at the center of everyday life. We're here to help you engage in the local church and to invite you into a life that matters through Jesus. If you have any questions about your next step, visit us online at hillcountry.life. And now for today's message. Well, good morning, everybody. (laughs) Welcome all of you here and everybody watching online as well. And I just want to begin with this this morning. I'm wondering, how are y'all doing? I mean... Like, really? You know, when people ask me that now, that question, how are you doing? I think it's never been more complicated for me to answer in my whole life. People say, how are you doing? And I pause and I hesitate. All these thoughts go through my mind. Like, should I tell you the whole truth? Or do I contextualize the answer? Like, how am I doing in light of everything that's going on right now? How are you doing? Like, how is your heart? It's a complicated question to answer. It really is. And there was a post that I saw somebody put up on social media, and they said, what one word describes your emotional state of being right now? And then in parentheses, it said, no cuss words, okay? <laughs> and I thought that was kind of funny, but it's like, what, what would, how would you answer that? I mean, if there was one word to describe your emotional state of being, what would that be? And it was interesting, because I'm kind of looking at the responses, and, and one guy said, numb. <laughs> like, after this whole, I just feel numb. You know, some people said that they were angry, irritated. Few said happy, joyful. Few said sad. A lot of people said anxious or afraid. And I think for me, if there was one word that would kind of describe my emotional state of being over the last year, it would be the word unsettled. Like everything feels a little unsettled, you know, just the little things even. For example, pre-COVID, it used to be easy to go up and greet somebody, Right? <laughs> And now I kind of find like I have to measure it out. I mean, I experienced that over in Sun City this morning, right? Like, are, are you keeping your distance or not? So I'm moving in, the person's like, hmm. And then I'm, I'm backing up and people are like, screw it, you're grabbing me and hugging me. And I'm like, whoa, why? you know, do we knuckle bump? Are we awkward? You know, mask, no mask. And then there's, you know, then all the other big issues going on. Economic uncertainty, racial tension, political division, and, and, you know, emotions are kind of running high. People are still on edge. Most of the people I run into. And psychologists are telling us that while we may have our vaccines and we're taking off masks and we're traveling again and we're gathering together in public arenas, while we may be moving physically beyond COVID, the toll that the last year has taken on our minds and our hearts and our emotions is real. And it might be felt for months, for years, perhaps a lifetime. You know, people's psyches have been affected, and emotions are still a little on edge. And so what I thought that I would do this morning is just take a little bit of a break in our current series in 1 Thessalonians and talk about this whole subject, just to tackle this topic of emotions and, and where we are emotionally and what that means for you and for me. And not just to talk about emotions, but to talk about them from a biblical, God-centered perspective. Because the first thing you need to recognize is this. God is an emotional God. Do you think about God as an emotional God? You know, emotions, the ones we have, they come from God. He created us with these emotions. And so in light of that, and in light of the fact that Jesus was God in the flesh, I thought what we do over the next few weeks is to kind of take a look at the emotions of Jesus in the Gospels, and then let his emotions sort of center our emotions. 
So that we're not just reacting to our emotions, but we're responding with God-centered emotions. There was a fascinating article about the emotions of Jesus in the four Gospels. And they actually identified, believe it or not, 39 different emotions that Jesus experienced. 39. I I didn't know there were 39 different emotions until I talked to my older brother who was parenting three teenage daughters. (laughs) He said, oh, yeah, 30 seconds, I see all 39 of them. (laughs) It's like, really? Fascinating. So Jesus, he's God in the flesh. So he's God. God's emotional, but he's also human, so he expresses and, and experiences very real, very deep emotions. Let me give you some examples. So many times in the Bible we see different things, but there was one time when Jesus looked out over the city of Jerusalem, and he was thinking about all the people in that city, his Jewish brothers and sisters in Christ, and, and he's thinking about these people that knew him, and he was excited about that, but then he also thought about all the people that didn't know God. All the people that were disconnected from God, not fulfilling God's purpose for their life. And the Bible said he felt very real, very deep grief. Just thinking about all these people he loved that weren't in a relationship with him, with his father. Whenever Jesus saw religious leaders walking around and they were more concerned about rules and regulations and laws than they were people, the Bible says Jesus felt righteous indignation, anger, toward their pride, their hypocrisy, their lack of love. When 72 of his disciples came back and they were pumped up because the Holy Spirit had used them to change people's lives, the Bible says Jesus was overwhelmed with joy. Overwhelmed with joy. When his good friend Lazarus died, even though Jesus, he's the author of life, he has the power of life, he was gonna bring Lazarus back from the dead. But in that moment, He experienced sadness. He wept over the death of his close friend. When Jesus was heading to the cross in the Garden of Gethsemane, the Bible says Jesus knew what lied ahead of him. And he was lonely. He was anxious. And so today, to start our series on emotions, I want to look at one particular emotion of Jesus that he expresses towards us because I think it'll help us to express this emotion to others. And we're going to be in Luke 7 today, starting in verse 11. Listen carefully. It says, soon afterward, Jesus went with his disciples to the village of Nain, and a large crowd followed him. A funeral procession was coming out as he approached the village gate. The young man who had died was a widow's only son, and a large crowd from the village was with her. When the Lord saw her, here's the emotion, his heart overflowed with compassion. Don't cry, he said. Then he walked over to the coffin and touched it, and the bearer stopped. Young man, he said, I tell you, get up. Then the dead boy sat up and began to talk. And Jesus gave him back to his mother. It says, great fear swept the crowd, and they praised God, saying, a mighty prophet has risen among us, and God has visited his people today. Okay, so here, Jesus expresses deep and sincere compassion. Now, I always like to try to visualize stories, especially gospel stories. So I want you to, in your mind, try to imagine this. Jesus is walking up to this funeral procession. 
And this would have been much different than our funerals today, okay? There wouldn't be like police with flashing lights and everything like that. What there would be most likely were mourners. And some of them might have been professional mourners because it wasn't unusual back then to pay people to mourn at a funeral procession. And they would take flutes and tambourines. They would walk up and down the streets. They would play the instruments and they would wail in sadness, expressing the grief over such a loss. And so Jesus, he walks into this very emotional and most likely very loud scene. And there are some things we know here and a lot of things we don't know. For example, we don't know a whole lot about this poor, grieving, single widow. We don't know how old she is. Is she 23 or is she in her late 30s? We don't know. We don't know how her husband died. Was it a sudden accident? Did he have an illness? We don't know. We don't know how old her son was. Was he three, five, seven, nine, twelve? We don't know. What we do know almost certainly is that the boy died the day before. And the reason we know that is because back in that day, they didn't have formaldehyde or the, the kind of quality embalming ingredients that we have today. And in that climate, when someone would die, the burial would take place very, very quickly, almost certainly the next day. So if you can imagine this, you've got this young mom who's just lost her son, right? She's already lost her husband, the boy's father, and she's just lost her only son. That's significant. And so she's emotional. She's overwhelmed with grief. This is her deepest moment of pain. And verse 13 says, the Lord Jesus saw her. Jesus saw her. Okay. Did you know that over 40 times in the Gospels, the Bible says that Jesus saw somebody? That's kind of funny to me because I would think he would see everyone he encountered, right? I mean, unless he's, he's praying or something, right? And even then, Jesus said to watch and pray, right? That's what you do when you drive. You watch and you pray. But, so he might have seen her then. So what, what does the author mean? 40 times? What the author intends to tell us is that he didn't just look at this woman. He saw her. He noticed her. People, there's a difference between looking and seeing, okay? I'm a guy, so I can look and not see, all right? <laughs> I cannot notice things, which is difficult for me because I'm married to Wendy, the noticer throughout Keld, okay? <laughs> if you're married to someone like that, you feel my pain. She notices everything. I, I, I've had to train myself to notice things. And there was one time Wendy came home. She had her hair cut and colored, and I didn't notice it, all right? Yeah, I know. You're feeling my pain right now. <laughs> Little marriage tip here, guys. Just a couple times a week, look at your wife and say, wow, your hair looks great. Did you do something different? Save you a world of hurt, right? <laughs> wow, that hair, what did you do? A couple times a week, guys. Right? You can pay me later for that. But Wendy notices everything. We can be over at your house and like we're driving home and she's like, did you see that wallpaper? That was amazing. And I'm like, they had walls? I, I didn't notice that. <laughs> weddings are the worst, right? I didn't realize there are like 43 million different things to notice at a wedding. I notice one thing in a wedding, food or no food. <laughs> That's what I notice. Yeah, amen. Preach. When is that? Did, did you notice the, the flowers? Did you notice the bridesmaid's shoes? Did you see the way the mom looked at the, did you see? Nope, sure didn't. <laughs> Anyhow, back to the story. Jesus, Jesus looks, 
and he sees her. He notices. He sees this grieving single mom. She's lost her husband. She's lost her only son. In the middle of all that chaos, he sees her. And what emotion did Jesus feel in that moment when she's in her deepest moment of pain and sorrow? Let me tell you, it's the same emotion that he feels for you when you're hurting in life, when you're anxious, when your marriage is struggling, when you're trying to pay the bills and you don't know how you're going to make it, when you're praying and praying and praying for a child who's making crazy decisions and you're aching and you're longing and you're believing the best. Jesus feels the same way for you when you're hurting as he did for this woman right here in her pain. The Bible says this in verse 13, when the Lord saw her, his heart overflowed with compassion. There wasn't even enough room in his heart for it, for all the compassion he felt. His heart overflowed with compassion. I love the Greek word for compassion here. It's the really interesting word. It's the Greek word splagna, S-P-L-A-G-N-A. Let's say that together. Can you say that? Splagna, yeah, splagna. Come on, say it with me. Splagna, yeah. Great word. Sounds like, have you ever stuck your finger down your throat and you splagna everywhere? (laughs) Yeah, that's what it sounds like. You know what the truth is? That word is very much like that. The root term means to well up from the gut, to come from the intestines. There's not a stronger word in the Greek language to express deep, deep compassion. It's when you hurt in your bowels. It's when it really grieves you. It aches. It's hurting for someone else from the gut. I'll give you a word picture for splagna. Imagine you drive up on a car accident. You ever done that before and you have that sinking feeling like, oh, man, I hope everybody's okay. And then let's say you glance off to the side of the road and there are two people lying down and the first responders are there attending to those people. And you're like, oh, Lord, please, please help them to make it. And you feel for them. Well, then imagine that you glance over and you recognize the vehicle. These are not just two random individuals. These are two people you love. That's splagna. It's hurting from the gut. And so the Lord saw her pain. He noticed. He felt it deep, deep inside, and he cared. And I don't know who needs to hear this today, but your heavenly Father knows whatever you're struggling with, and he cares so deeply about you, more than you can even imagine. He sees your pain. He hears the cries of your heart. He knows when you feel desperate, you know, when your heart is pounding and you're anxious and you don't even know how you're going to catch your next breath. When you're praying for a a struggling marriage, you don't know how you're going to find a job and the money is running out. When you feel anxious, you feel frustrated, you feel afraid, God sees you. He notices. He cares. And so Jesus sees this grieving single mom and he hurts with her, and he grieves with her. And then in verse 13, he says to her, don't cry. Don't cry. Then he walked over to the coffin and touched it, and the bearers stopped. He he touched it. He touched the coffin. You're like, big deal, pastor. Let me give you some historical context here. 
Hey, first of all, the coffin back then, it wouldn't be like our coffins today. Now, our coffins will have sides on them and a lid. This would be more like a flat board with wheels, kind of like a buggy. And they would lay the dead body on that coffin. It was almost always exposed. So when Jesus reaches out and touches that coffin, that's shocking. That's scandalous back then, unheard of. People all around would gasp. Because the Pharisees, they had all these little rules and regulations. And most of them were all about image and outward appearance. Like, here's the way I want to portray myself. Inside, I'm a mess. But on the outside, I want you to think I'm incredibly religious. And so they had 613 very distinct, very strict, strict rules. And one of them was this. You can't touch a dead body. And you can't touch anything that has touched a dead body. Because if you touch a dead body, you touch something that's touched a dead body, you become ceremonially unclean. Well, Jesus, who claimed to be the Son of God, he reaches out and he touches something that in their minds makes him spiritually unclean. And when Jesus did that, he crossed a line, big time. And I love this about Jesus. Jesus is a line crosser. Jesus is a rule breaker. Whenever religion would draw a line, Jesus would be like, he crosses lines. You know why? Because love crosses lines. Don't ever forget that. Love crosses lines. Whatever line you feel now, maybe it's a line that you feel like is keeping God at a distance, you need to understand, Jesus crosses lines for those he loves. He is a line crosser. He is a rule breaker. And what distorted religion does, the legalism that's just all about rules and not love, it draws lines to keep people out. That's what it does. And the tragedy is that may be the very thing that kept you from God for years and years and years. Or maybe it's keeping somebody you love from God. Those lines that get drawn. You know, and you say, well, I don't want to go to that church because they're full of hypocrites, full of legalists. That's what religion does wrong, sometimes with good intentions, but it draws lines. And if that's the thing that bothers you about church, you're in good company because it bothered Jesus too. He didn't want any line, any external boundary to stop people from coming to him, from experiencing his love, his grace, his power. That's why around here, we don't draw lines to keep people out. We cross lines to bring people in. That is what we are all about. If you didn't know that, we're actually a part of a greater association of Hill Country Churches. It's all about reaching lost people. It's all about planting new churches. <laughs> Ten years ago, we decided Sun City, 20,000 some odd people out there that need Jesus, we're going to plant a video campus out there. And we've reached hundreds of people. And praise God, Joy was saying next week, we're having our first live service since like March 8th, I think, of last year. We're excited about that. You know, we, we've done that. We, last year, this is something cool. Some of you may not know this, but we helped to plant a church in East Austin. It's called The Refuge. And even in the middle of the pandemic, this church has now grown to over 60 people. And in the last month or two, they've seen four new people come to Jesus. Yeah, isn't that awesome? And we're going to continue to do that. Right now, we have a, a group of individuals hours away from here, and they would like to be a part of our church. And they're trying to start a church campus out there, a video campus based on our service, all the way over in Lee County. 
See, we don't want to be confined to our little lines here in Georgetown because everybody, everybody needs the grace of Jesus. So ignoring those religious policies, Jesus touches the coffin, maybe even touches that boy. Because no rule, no law, no external boundary is going to stop Jesus from showing the depths of his compassion for people who are hurting. And I know when Jesus did that, when he touched that coffin, I'm sure the crowd all gasped. What is he doing? You can't do that. But more incredibly, the boy gasps. He breathes. He starts to talk. Some of you, you need that hope today. You need this. Because whatever's dead in your life with just one touch from Jesus, it can be brought back to life. Somebody in here, you need that. You need one touch from the author of life who brings dead things back to life. Just one touch, just one sense that not only is God real, but he cares about you. I mean, what did it take for this young boy and this mom's life to be changed forever? Just one touch. So my prayer is that for somebody here, maybe somebody who's watching online today, that there be one moment, one word, one song, one sense of the goodness and grace of God, crossing whatever boundary you feel like is keeping you from him. The Lord sees her. He notices. He cares. And it just takes one touch. And I can't even begin to describe the difference that this makes in this woman's life. Because just moments before, folks, she had nothing. And I mean nothing. Not only had she lost those she loved, she had lost her means of support. Because in that day, a husband or a son, that was the only way you were going to be provided for as a woman. Just the way it was. I mean, as sad as it is, you know, women, they weren't allowed. They didn't have the means to provide support for themselves. And so back then, she would basically have two options. One is she could become a beggar, dependent on others to provide for her needs. And the second is even worse. She could sell her body to feed herself. Well, that's unthinkable. And so Jesus, he reaches out, he touches this boy, and the boy comes back to life. The boy is healed. And then he carries this boy to the mom. And not only does he give her her son back, he gives her her hope back. So for somebody today, my prayer is that if you're anxious, if you're afraid, maybe you're a little bitter, irritated, frustrated, always on guard, maybe you're a little bit unsettled, that with just one touch, God would give you your hope back. Just one touch. And I know this last year has been crazy for all of us, and we're all just trying to get back on track. I get that. And maybe for some of you, you're watching online, you'd love to be at church, and you just can't do that. I get it. But maybe for others of us, we kind of got in a routine where we got used to not necessarily being at church all the time or being as engaged, and, and you feel a little empty inside. And I actually grieve for people who are disconnected spiritually, like in community and fellowship. And maybe you need God to touch you, just give you a fresh start spiritually in your church life, your spiritual life. I've probably talked with more than 100 pastors just one-on-one over the last year or so. And there are a couple things we, we all agree on. One is this last year has been the most challenging, stressful, difficult year of ministry in our entire career. But the second thing is this, we believe God wants to do something new and different in and through the church in the future. 
And so as I've been praying for a touch from God, a fresh vision, guess what? He's been delivering. And my unsettledness is beginning to settle down. And so lately, I've been hands-on working with our youth and children's ministries just to help them flourish. And a while back, we cast a whole new vision for our youth ministry, and it's already taking root. We're already starting to see fruit from this. We're engaging new volunteers. And just a couple weeks ago, we had a junior high lock-in. 64 junior high kids were there, all right? Yeah, so it's growing, and God is reaching people. Yeah, sure. Just the tip of the iceberg. The best is yet to come. You know, we're uh, actually, we have a fresh vision for our children's ministry as well that we're going to be implementing in a few weeks here over the summer and fall. You can expect to see sweeping changes back on our kids' wings. New structure for our classrooms, teacher training, new creative elements to engage our kids. I mean, God is moving. God is touching lives. And folks, if you want a simple way to change a child's life for all eternity, come talk to me after the service. Say, man, put me on the youth team. Put me on that team to minister to kids. Now, if there's one word to describe our future course here as a church, it's the word new. And if you look that word up in the Bible, you're going to be blown away. It's unbelievable how often God talks about doing a new work, a new thing. In Isaiah 43, 19, God said, I'm about to do something new. Revelation 21, 5, Jesus says, look, I am making everything new. See, I don't think God took us through all the craziness of this past year just to bring us back to the same old, same old, not around here. God's doing something new. He's doing something fresh. So get excited, people, because when God sets a new course, it's going to be great. So our word around here is the word new. And the word I would like to describe my emotional state is the word settled. Not fully there yet, but, but I'm getting there, okay? Let me close with this. What, what about you? Like, how's your heart? How are you doing? If there was one word to describe your emotional state, what would it be? Would you say, yeah, I, I, I'm joyful. Yeah, Brian, I, I'm settled. Or would you say, I'm anxious, I'm tense, I'm frustrated. Whatever it is, cry out to the God who's actually moving towards you even as you speak. Whatever line you think is setting a boundary, separating you from God, know that Jesus is coming. He's already crossing that line. He's a line crosser. He's a rule breaker. He cares about you. And there's nothing that's going to stop him from pursuing you, reaching out to you, loving you, showing you his goodness and his grace. I mean, this story shows us that there's nothing so dead in your life that Jesus' compassion can't bring it back to life. So get your hope back, people. Get your hope back. He's coming for you. He sees you. He notices you. He cares. And it just takes one touch. With Jesus, that's all it takes. Let's pray. Just in the quietness of your heart right now, I invite you to just think about how you're doing. Like, where is your heart? Maybe if there's one word, Holy Spirit, would you just speak to my brothers and sisters or maybe one word that pops into your mind that would best describe where you're at? And if it's a, if it's a good word, give God praise. Say, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. And if it's a challenging word, 
Just cry out to God. He's already coming your direction. He crosses lines. He wants to touch. He wants to heal. He wants to restore. And I would just pray for every one of us, Lord, that you would speak to us. Give us a fresh vision for your will for our lives spiritually. And maybe it's to get re-engaged in the church and to enjoy worship again on a regular basis, to get involved in community and fellowship again, to find a place to serve, to be reaching out to people who need to know Jesus. Lord, just speak to us and then help us to follow your lead. And God, in the coming weeks, as we talk about various emotions and, and where our heart is at, I pray that you would continue to challenge us, that you would continue through your word to teach us how to center our emotions. We thank you for emotions because you've given us our emotions, but they're there to kind of help us. And sometimes they're, they're a warning light to tell us that something's amiss, something needs to change. So God, we thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the stories, the truths of your word that come to life and apply to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. So as I close this morning, I just want to encourage you, if God didn't bring something to your mind right away, continue to think about it, continue to chew on that. And then as something pops up and you ask God for healing and he touches your life, do me a favor, tell somebody about it. That's a huge encouragement. Come talk to me. I would love to hear about it. All right? You guys have a great week in the Lord.